Welcome to Brightline Living, the official podcast of Brightline Eating, where we focus on living a life free from food obsession and filled with peace and unstoppability. Each week, Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Brightline Eating, will cover topics ranging from food addiction to fascinating science and how to live a bright life. Now here's Susan with the audio version of this week's blog. Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So I want to talk today about the importance of chewing our food in bright line eating. And I am not going to do the, uh, oh, you got to masticate your food like 25 times, da, 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 da. Um, it might be important that chewing a bunch of times is good for digestive juices and all that jazz, but really that was a gimmick that a lot of us experienced in the dieting culture, uh, to try to trick us into eating less, uh, never worked for me. So that's not what this video is going to be about at all. Rather, it's going to be about a societal trend that has been happening over the last several hundred years, actually, and the impact on our skulls, our teeth, our brains, uh, and of course, our uh, uh, waistlines. So I want to talk about how the processing of foods that has increased over the last couple of centuries. And you'll notice I'm not saying 50 years, which is what most people say when they talk about processed foods, um, because it is true that there's been an enormous uh, uptick in ultra-processed food consumption over the last 50 years. It's been growing steadily and steadily. I think the last stat I saw was that 56% of the uh, average American's diet, uh, 56% of the calories are coming now from ultra-processed foods. These are foods that really are um, industrial manufactured frankenfoods. They're, um, they're the foods that have an ingredients label that's this long. The vast majority of it you can't pronounce and don't know what it does. It's a little creepy. Um, and, and there's really sort of a, a big system for um, swirling chemicals and like, you know, piecing together a whole bunch of chemical ingredients to make something that uh, is very, very tasty and passes for food. And it's food in the sense that it contains calories and can be eaten. It's not food in the sense that it, it bears little to no resemblance to the foods that, uh, we evolved to eat, you know, foods that grow out of the ground and foods that, um, that are foods that our ancestors would have recognized as food. Now, so there's been this trend. It's not just over the last 50 years. It's over the last couple of centuries where, uh, you know, centuries ago, um, processes like canning started to come into the mix. So instead of eating green beans or carrots, people started to eat canned green beans and canned carrots instead of eating, um, I don't know. I, I, I actually am not an expert at all in culinary processing, but there's been a march for create toward creating foods that don't need to be chewed very much. And I want to talk about the impact of chewing our food because it's something that people who start doing bright line eating comment on. I comment on it. There's a, a phrase of just, it's a lot of shopping, chopping and chewing around here. It's a lot of shopping, chopping and chewing. And 
that is time consumptive and it's a whole new sort of thing to add to your life. If you aren't used to shopping, chopping and chewing, you can kind of go, whoa, like at first it feels like now, you know, just saying driving to a restaurant, pulling, you know, all that takes time too, right? So there's trade-offs. Um, I don't, I actually am aware that bright line eating creates a ton of time in your day rather than stealing time because we, in large part, because we only eat three times a day, right? That's hugely time saving to not be eating all that food in between frees up an enormous amount of space in every way. Um, but this, um, this sort of drive toward having foods not need to be chewed. And now in bright line eating, you come in here and you're chewing a lot. It's a big thing. We get people commenting on it like, uh, oh, it takes me a long time to eat my bright meals. I'm sitting there and I'm chewing for a long time. And in this vlog, I just want to tell you how incredibly good that is. Good, 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 good. Let me tell you the value of chewing. If you want to learn more about this, I recommend a book I just finished called Breath by James Nestor. It's incredible. And it's got a whole section in there on chewing and how chewing changes the physiology of the skull. Turns out that the bones of our skull are not like the bones in the rest of the body um, that are sort of more fixed and stagnant once you've grown up. Um, the bones in the skull continue to develop throughout our lifetime. And they add bone uh, when we chew a lot. And when we don't chew a lot, our faces get kind of caved in and shrunken, which has a couple of major effects. One is it crowds the teeth, so the teeth get more and more and more crooked. And it also closes the septum so it's harder to breathe through the nose, which is how you want to be breathing, is through the nose. Um, and it creates a particular kind of uh, skull look that's not particularly healthy. And it it turns out that actively chewing food is really, really important and necessary for lifelong skull health. When was the last time you thought about your skull health? I, for me, this was a first. I read this book and it blew my mind. Um, but interestingly, he talks about teeth over the last couple of centuries and how the wealthier you are and the more processed foods you eat, the worse your teeth over the last few hundred years. People who had access to things like canned foods and sweets and uh, breads and processed things, right? Um, their, their dentures or dental health were uh, bad. It was teeth caved in on each other because not enough space in the skull. And it turns out when you chew a lot, when you're eating out of the fields and you're chewing your food, you have uh, perfectly straight teeth. And they're looking at skulls from hundreds of years ago and noticing the difference. People who ate processed foods versus people who ate out of the field. Now in Bright Line Eating, we do the equivalent of eating out of the field. And it's really, really good for our skull health, our breath health, being able to continue to breathe through the nose and have really open passageways and, and nice straight teeth. So that's really interesting. That's the first thing that chewing does is it contributes to lifelong skull health. Who knew, right? The second thing that chewing does is it makes you fuller. 
So there's a whole bunch of research showing that time to consume food is one of the big variables in satiety or fullness. So if you eat the equivalent foods、uh, blended up or as a soup, and you can kind of wolf it down,、uh, you don't feel as full afterwards. If you eat those foods raw and whole, same amount of calories, same foods, but now you're chewing a whole bunch, and it takes a lot of time to consume that food, you feel more satisfied, more satiated. You feel f- more full from the same amount of food. So this is the or the source, the origin of that. Diet tip to、uh, take a long time to eat your food, to chew your food many, 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 many times, and so forth. They're trying to—that's the like put down the fork in between bites. They're trying to stretch out the length of the meal to、uh, give you a better chance to feel fuller sooner.、Um, now, in bright line eating, that's not that big of a deal because we weigh our food, so we're going to eat the right amount of food regardless. But it sure is nice to feel fuller, right? Like that's a bonus. The last benefit to chewing is huge, and I don't know if you knew this, but chewing is one of the factors that increases neurogenesis in the hippocampus. Now, neurogenesis means the creation of new neurons, brain cells. We used to think neuroscientists used to think that a baby was born with all the brain cells they were ever going to have for their whole life. That brain cells were、uh, unique, really, in the world of cells, in that they didn't divide. You don't get new brain cells. You get new heart cells and new skin cells and new toenail cells and new blood cells,、uh, but you don't get new brain cells.、Um, in fact, you lose brain cells a lot.、Uh, there are certain periods in development. Where there's neural pruning that happens, where you lose tons of cells, that turns out to be a good thing. There's like a wiring up of the brain that's happening, and you're you're getting rid of sort of the the riffraff. You don't need it,、um, so it's fine.、Uh, but if you do what I did, for example, as a teenager, do drink a lot of alcohol and do a lot of drugs, and you kill off a lot of brain cells that way, that's actually not a good thing、um, because you don't by and large get new ones.、Um, a, a, While ago, years ago, it was discovered that, in actual point of fact, there are new brain cells created、um, in just a couple parts of the brain, not widespread throughout the brain. It's not like all neurons divide and create new new brain cells. They don't.、Um, but there is a place called the hippocampus, which we typically think of as the seat of memory, and in particular, memory creation. It's like a little factory for creating memories. By and large, most memories aren't stored there; they travel out. To other parts of the brain in a process called consolidation to be stored elsewhere, but the hippocampus generates new memories,、um, and it also generates new brain cells. Now these brain cells then go on to support positive mood and serotonin production. That's important. They also support, not surprisingly, memory. Right, strong brain health and good memory, like good cognitive functioning. Now.、Uh, Not surprisingly, most of the habits that we think of as healthy increase the rate of neurogenesis in the hippocampus, like exercise,、um, and like eating generally a healthy diet. Blueberries, you know, that sort sort of thing increases neurogenesis in the hippocampus. Eating a lot of sugar decreases neurogenesis in the hippocampus. Being sedentary decreases、uh, neurogenesis in the hippocampus. And chewing, chewing. Increases it. So chewing food is really, really healthy, 
And we have gotten use as a society to kind of chew, chew, swallow without much mastication. It's the way our diet was designed. There's all kinds of stuff you can read about the chicken industry and how uh, chicken that you get at, say, a major um, fast food chain or, you know, the type of restaurant that, you know, you can find in every city because they're everywhere. Those sorts of chain restaurants buy chicken out of these factory farms and they're injected with water and they're plumped and they're sort of, uh, tenderized in a way that makes you not have to chew them much. Um, so they're taking meat that normally would require some mastication and allowing you to just one or two quick chews and then swallow. Um, all kinds of foods like that are, uh, they keep in mind sort of a minimal chew threshold. They don't want people chewing so much. When you don't chew so much, you can consume more of the food, which means you buy more of the food. And frankly, the standard American diet, the standard industrial diet, the standard Western diet um, has sort of taken the, the mastication uh, threshold of what people are used to and lowered it way down. And now chewing too much sort of doesn't feel right. And so now there's this lower standard of uh, they don't produce foods that have to be chewed very much. When you start to eat whole real foods again, you know, a salad with actual raw vegetables in it, not with, you know, bacon bits and cheese and ranch dressing all over it, right? But an actual salad with actual farm fresh ingredients, um, you're going to have to chew. You're going to sit there and chew for quite a while, right? If you cook your own chicken in your own kitchen um, and you buy some organic chicken and now you're going to have to chew a lot more than you would if you got some chicken, you know, at, at takeout at a, from a fast food place, right? It's a, that chicken is not equivalent to that other chicken at all. So you're going to get used to chewing. It's going to take an adjustment. If you're new to Brightline eating, welcome. We do a lot of shopping, chopping, and chewing around here. And I just want to say it gives nice teeth, um, a really nice looking de- development of the face and skull throughout life. So you continue to look young and robust. And it's really, really good for the brain. And it gives you that, that nice feeling of fullness. We have data that show that by the end of the Brightline Eating Boot Camp, people's hunger has gone down to almost, almost nothing. Uh, people generally are not hungry on this food plan. Now, there are exceptions, um, for sure, but hunger levels go down throughout the Brightline Eating Boot Camp. And that's as people are losing a significant amount of weight that on average they then keep off. So, um, all of this, uh, the sort of backdrop here of chewing our food, all this shopping, chopping and chewing, it's for good reason and it's put to good use. And I just wanted to spend the day today talking about the benefits of chewing. Who knew? That's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week.